Urban Combative Training in a Global Pandemic, your first choice for beginner through advanced online training in urban combatives, quick to learn and easy to recall under adrenal stress. Get 20 free lessons online now and then join our monthly members and we'll give you a free month plus all upgrades at no extra cost. Visit uniteddefensivetactics.com. This is the Intrepid Double Seven Podcast. Welcome to the Intrepid Double Seven Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. So today, uh, we've got a special treat. A couple weeks ago, I was following up with my regular series, Essential Bond Skills, and talking about self-defense. Um, I've talked about it before. I'm a practitioner of Kempo Karate, but uh, in the last couple of months, I've gone with some more expert opinions on certain things. We had uh, Ray Crumpold on a couple of weeks ago about uh, firearms. Today, we've got Cameron Cooper from United Defensive Te- uh, Tactics. I always want to keep saying technologies. United Defensive <laughs> Tactics. Uh, he's going to talk to us about self-defense. How are you, Cameron? I'm very good. And how are you? I'm doing pretty well. So um, we kind of discovered each other through Instagram. You tagged me in a couple of posts. I checked out your website. And basically, from what I understand, you do a lot of uh, self-defense. What, what's your background in self-defense? So my background initially, I was part of the the ninjutsu gang. I was part of that whole uh, domain of training there. And uh, it it was pretty cool, but it was lacking a bit of that modern element. Uh, So then I was drawn into Krav Maga and Filipino martial arts. And and that's basically to sum up about over 10 years in uh, in in two seconds there. Okay. And when you say nin- that ninjutsu, you're talking about like the kind of like McDojo karate kind of stuff or more? The uh, um... problem with it is that they can only operate in training in the context of a feudal society. They, When you try to ask the questions in the lens of what's happening today, the ninjutsu environment doesn't seem to uh, respond to that. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to put them down, but to me, it, it created a huge um a gap there that I could not find a way to fill. Well, Sensei, what about this? Well, what about that? And my mind always goes to short knives, unseeable things. Mm. And I find that uh, the ninjutsu element was, it was cool in its context, in the feudal context with spears and swords. If our society reverts back to that type of fighting, oh man, it's great. It's super relevant. Right, we right. don't do that anymore. So it created a huge gap that I could not close. And it mm-hmm. drew me to uh, other disciplines that you didn't seem to have to ask too many questions because the answers were just pretty obvious. And when you right. start sparring, it changes everything. And I know that a lot of people are um, familiar with Krav Maga because I think that's probably in the MMA world and, and in the broader aspect of, of military self-defense, Krav Maga is the one that comes out as being the most popular. But then you mentioned the Filipino martial arts. I didn't even know the Philippines had uh, a particular set of martial arts. So what's all that about? So I think I think most people out there are too shy to admit that they fell in love with that type of discipline from movies. Mm-hmm. Just like me with Ninjutsu, like, I'm mad. Revenge of the Ninja all the way, man. Like, I remember the movies, right? right? So as practitioners of various disciplines, most of the time, we discover these things through movies. 
But then as you you research and you try to figure it out, you want to consolidate the fantasy with reality. And then you Mm -hmm. need to find a source that can allow you to do that. So Filipino martial arts, to me, I didn't know, like when I, when Jason Bourne came out, right? the series came out, I didn't know that's what it was. I'm like, wow, I want to know how to do that. To me, it was not about the outfits and the suits and the look. It was about the skill set. I was always drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know at the time that it was called Filipino martial arts. So I went and uh, found ninjutsu instead. But looking back now, I'm like, wow, I wish I would have found this. If you had gone right to it rather than pass through. Wow. But the problem is that it's very difficult to find uh, local instructors. There's very few. And I got to admit, I'm someone that's a bit hard to to fit in uh, groups and clubs. So I kind of took my own path a little bit there. But as far as the training is concerned, uh, yeah, Filipino martial arts, what a beautiful, what a beautiful system. And it seems that what you're... What you learn empty-handed applies directly to an edged weapon. And what you do with a a knife goes to a stick. They're all interchangeable. So by learning learning certain things empty-handed, well, then the same thing kind of applies with a knife or or a stick or whatever. So that transference of skill... It's more universal than the application of, you know, a, a strict kata from karate or exactly. um, kung fu or et cetera. Because like I said, I do kempo karate. Um, don't know if you're familiar with that particular one, but there's a lot of jujitsu in it. And we actually do a lot of knife defense, club defense, gun okay. defense. So there is a lot of it. And when I was watching your first videos, because, you know, you, you've got your site with all the with the videos and we'll get to that in a moment yeah. but when i was watching the first ones um a friend of mine had watched it as well and he said well what's with the with the double blocks and you know all that system of blocking and that for us in in kempo is is you know the first move is deflection uh you guys do it with three Def- so what you're referring to there is an ubud uh, platform right. right and when you break it down i because like the problem with the internet is that everyone goes at a million miles an hour. So right. you can never catch anything people are doing. So I, I take it on myself in videos that I create to kind of break it down into layers so that whoever's going to watch could actually see that, oh, okay, I get I get why he's doing that. Like mm-hmm. one, two, and then that, that creates that shell or that cover, that three will come. But usually in, in, a, in a life scenario, the one and that two, they come together. Right. Come together, and then that three follows or whatever it is the implement that you have. But yeah, it's not very common. It's not you know, and but the transference from an empty hand platform or an edge weapon and whatnot, it's just phenomenal. Right. So then, what got you into teaching it? So you've been teaching it. I can see from the videos, but have you, where have you been teaching it to people directly before that, or did you go right to the videos? No, no, I've been teaching uh, for, for quite a while in person. The videos. Uh, putting the courses online is something that I was working on as a project, but to actually put that uh, together and to make it happen, that was uh, one hell of a project to, to film everything, to edit everything, to come up with a standard of what it would look like, mm. so it's consistent throughout. That's 183 videos in level one alone. And, and we're going to get level two right now from, from what we've had as conversations is level two is coming. Yeah. It's being filmed and produced as we speak. But yeah, I mean, the amount of work to, 
to create content. That's what people, uh, I think, on the internet don't really get to understand is that the amount of time put into doing this, this is many, 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 many months to a point year, over a year of constant, just film, edit, film, edit, film, edit, and mm-hmm. many sleepless nights. I'm not exaggerating. It's a real... Uh, it's a real process to create content. It's Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. But in your context, you've got 183 videos right now that are live that you've yep. you've that have the same continuity, that have the same kind of um they're all in the same style. They're all super well shot, I have to say too. They're they're uh, you, I think you said you had a background in film as well or in No, um well actually I did. Uh, I did one semester of TV broadcasting at Algonquin College, but okay. I, I dropped out. <laughs> I was terrible. Um, but what what ended up happening is I met up with an influencer out of Toronto, someone that uh, is really good at what at, you know, filming and editing. And I spent a weekend with him and learned actually quite a bit, a lot I already knew because I spent a lot of time learning on my own, mm-hmm. and uh, the amount of time invested. I would say for me to be able to learn how to film and edit comfortably that I'd be able to create my own course load and content and feel confident enough that I could put it out there and make myself vulnerable that way. I would say it took me about two years of constant YouTubing, how to do this, how to do that, how to edit this, how to edit that. And, um, now I can edit. I'm not going to tap myself on the back or anything, but, it, it's 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 reliable i'm gonna say it's it's right i'll never say i'm good but i'm gonna say it's reliable <laughs> it's consistent and it's no I, I mean i've i've studied i studied i didn't finish college in in film either but i did study <laughs> it and i do you know i do all the editing for for my videos as well and um i can understand how hard it is and how time consuming it is but to do 183 all the same way and have all that continuity yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a big, big, big deal. Um, so going back to the, the, to the styles. And so this is influenced from stuff that you saw in in movies and the combative styles that, that kind of the cinematic styles of things. Um, the basic principle behind it, the Filipino martial arts, that doesn't have the same kind of system as your traditional belted systems. I suppose there's no, um, white belt, yellow belt grading systems. No, I think they have their own. They have a different ranking system. Me personally, I didn't go through any organizations uh, mm-hmm. in learning uh, Filipino martial arts. I've had some mentoring sources, but they were unofficial. There was nothing, uh, no associations or affiliations. Right. So a lot of that was a journey of self-discovery on right. how that discipline works. But through uh, two sources of mentoring, I was able to learn some basics. And the rest was me figuring it out on my own. But the interesting part about that, out of 10 years in ninjutsu, the one thing I could say I got the most value out of is this. The way they teach, it teaches you as a student how to learn. And here's why. Back in history, these ninja groups most of the time were like – Think of a bunch of ex-infantry uh, guys that like left the military and that went out and started their own little gang type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying. Uh, back in those days, there would have been little pockets like that throughout Japan. And because right. they were not conventional forces, quite often they were being hunted and chased, right? 
these little ninja groups. So the way they would teach each other was through a very fast track, you know, download of instructions. Because at that time, to be part of these groups, you were already an accomplished warrior. It's kind of like right. you don't walk into the Navy SEALs or um, I'll speak about Canada. You can't walk into JTF2 off the street. You got to right. have served first. Like you got to have done something and first. Training and et cetera, et cetera. And then show the chain of command that, hey, I'm worthy of being a CANSOFCOM soldier, you know? It was right. kind of like the same thing in those days. But because of their nomadic nature, the teaching was done fast. So the master would show uh, content and concepts and whatnot, and the pupils had to learn it on a spot on the go. And they would keep logs of what they learned. But the thing mm -hmm. is that they would go on the battlefield and skirmishes and whatnot, and they would try out all these things. And if they survived, they come back and they write down and be like, okay, this worked. Bob's head was on the spear, like the teacher said. <laughs> it worked. And then they go back in the next day and they do it again. And they say, yeah, it's two, three days now that I keep spearing a few people this way. So this is good. It works. Right. So because they would go and try it out on people, they were able to turn around and say, this works, this works, this works. So when they could turn around and teach their students, they do it in a way that because they're so experienced and used to doing it, they're able to teach it in a way that the student learns it fast. Mm -hmm. And the ability to learn fast is the point here. Right. After having done this for 10 years and all these teachers that they were nice, but they didn't really want to answer questions. And I, to me, it was a huge turnoff, but I'm grateful for it because it did teach me how to learn better right, and faster. So when I dove into FMA, it was extremely intimidating for me, but I was able to just watch and just watch and pick it up quick and then go figure it out on my own. So I'd go back with my army buddies and they would be like, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to try that. And we just try it on people bigger than ourselves. Right. Until it works until it fails and whatnot. So, so how is the, the courses then broken down on your website? They're broken down uh, in topics. They're broken down in, so like, you know, you'll have the empty hand portion, you'll have an edge weapon portion, and you'll have a uh, impact weapon portion. And each one of these sections, you could see the transference from one platform to the other. Mm -hmm. And that's what's, um, I think, a, a great asset for the student is that they have things that they can connect every layer together with. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this thing, okay, he did it empty-handed. It's the same thing with the knife. So it makes it faster and easier to remember a concept because if you know it once, you know it across, most of the time, those three platforms. Right, right. So what's next for uh, for United Defensive Tactics? So you've got part two, or sorry, um, the second wave or the second, how are you calling that? Uh, so this would be level two. So level one mm -hmm. was a level where we were showing only the fundamentals. So how to do the footwork, how to get familiar with the various platforms, whether it be the knife, the stick, or just hand-to-hand. -hand. So it was just a huge layout of what our foundations would be, uh, just basic, basic fundamentals. And then level two is going to be more of a live application 
of what was covered in level one. Then level two okay. will put it more like, well, what you learned in level one, here's how you would, here's how it fits in a live application. Here's what could work and here's what could fail. And if it fails, here's what you could do because there's nothing certain. So right. I always want the student to know that, okay, if X, Y, Z doesn't work, you can do this, 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 so that there's always options. Because with a real life, um, not with a real life situation, but with a karate situation where we're, we're learning a lot of, this is the movement, this is how you finish them, that's it. Yep. But the kind of the counter of that or what happens if, you know, it's, it's never going to go as perfect as you want. And even if you're in sparring, someone's going to, you know, jokingly say, well, I can get out of this. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen in real life because someone's going to be able to or going to try and get out of this. And you're, you're going to experience someone who has a similar skill set to you or, or knows how to fight or has been to a fight before. So you're saying with the second one, you're taking everything that you've applied with level one and level two is the real world playing out of, of how to get yourself out of trouble. If Yeah, while mitigating the amount of injury against yourself because, I mean right. – I, I don't think anyone out there should should go and say that their system is fail proof and you know I'm, <laughs> that's crazy. Like so, I don't think there is one that's fail proof. I, I mean, don't think so. <laughs> you know, Sistema like, out of Russia is is one of those ones where they think that they're yeah, fail proof. And <laughs> it was the same thing with Ninja Two. It was the same idea. Like, oh, we can defeat anyone. I'm like, well, show it then. <laughs> I've asked you a million times. You don't want to do it. So right. No, so like level two is basically going to be oh, a yes, real yes, life yes. application of level one and how to, yeah. because it's not going to, some things might not work. Yeah. In level two, we're just trying to show you various options so that you're not, your mind is not just thinking kind of like a kata, like that's it. This is what you do. And mm -hmm. that's what he's going to do. And that's what you're going to do. And that's the response. And then that's it. In level two, we're trying to portray like, well, you're going to do this. Well, then these uh, counters could happen what do you do then we're just trying to lay out different options for right. everything we cover in level one we're trying to lay out how to apply it in a simplistic manner mm -hmm. and if things don't go as planned what can you do so that you're not thinking that well it was one solution there and it didn't work just so that people don't become one uh one track minded there that this is it, and that's right. absolute. I don't want people to think that it's an absolute system because it's impossible. There's so many variables. And so far, for the response you've been getting, what are the, your clientele looking like? Are you getting a lot of uh, present military or former military types, or is it a lot of everyday people as well? Is it a good mix? Yeah, um, a lot of civvies, uh, a right. lot of civilians, yes. Some, some military. The feedback is good. They all basically touch on everything i tried to do when i set up the platform i'm terrible at talking on uh, on recording by the way we've made mistakes already and i didn't want this out <laughs> when i when i started doing this um i wanted to make videos that were short mm -hmm. where i would explain and show the content slowly i wanted the videos to be Basically, me saying, "Okay, we're gonna do this. Here's what we're gonna do. Why we're gonna do it. Why we're gonna do it." And then we get straight to it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is there's so many videos online where the instructor talks for 20 minutes about you know all the synaptic reflex and the muscular this and and what the fuck is going on? It's like a it's like a medical class before we get to learning anything. Right. And 
then they go super fast, super fast, and you, you can't really grasp what they're doing. So I told myself, when I'm going to put my content out there, I'm going to keep those videos short, three to five minutes, mm -hmm. because everyone's busy. I don't have time to watch a 20-minute video just to be able to grasp what happens in the last five minutes. Right. And if I need to hop off the platform, it's easier to retrieve the content when the videos are broken down in short portions. It's just easier to catch up. You don't feel like you have to go rewatch a 20-minute video. Yeah. And I think that doing videos where you're going super, super fast, I think it's great when it's a promo video. But when you're teaching, you should go as slow as possible so people mm. can actually grasp what you're doing. And that's the kind of feedback I've been getting from people is thank you for making the video short and for going slow. And uh, another thing I do a lot also is I point out my mistakes when I make them. And I tell the student, okay, this didn't work. Pay attention to this because, yeah, I can't give you an example right now, but I just want to point right. it out. I think there's too many instructors out there that film themselves. Then they do exactly that. They go in post-production and then they cut everything out. They add a tiny bit of speed to it. And it's, it's just dishonest. I'd rather just show the, the content unedited. There it is and digest it. It was an honest rendition of what we do. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that's worth the $20 a month. Absolutely. And it's not pressure points. It's not any of this hokey no. um, McDojo stuff where you know, gallbladder no. 12 and you put pressure on that. And, no, no, uh, no. Perfect. Okay. So that's, that's um, I think that's a lot of what I think people are looking for is, you know, we're all in, in, in certain parts of the world. We're all locked down. We're all stuck at home. Uh, we've all got access to a, to a laptop because if, or, or a cell phone, because if you're listening to this podcast, that's, how you're getting it i'm not on the radio so you're getting it somewhere <laughs> you've got the yeah. time to sit down and watch a couple of three to five minute videos and and understand this and it's you know i i can't get to the gym right now i can't get to my dojo right now it's been closed for 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 months so this has kind of been um knowing that there that's that it's there and going through some of the videos and and having some knowledge already of what's going on but the appreciation of how you've set it up too that it's easy to learn it's not um it's not a foreign concept you're not using um you know terms that i can't understand it's all mm -hmm. really really out there it's really appreciated uh, i i hope that the people who are listening uh go to your site so it's uniteddefensivetactics.com that's uh, the one yes yeah so you've got your year membership, you've got monthly memberships. With the monthly memberships, what, what are the limitations to your twenty dollars a month? What what are we getting for twenty dollars a month? So for the monthly membership, what's happening is that it the content is dripped every thirty days. So the first chapter is all the empty hand content. Right. So on your first thirty days, you're getting all the empty hand content uh, released to you. Then in the second month, I believe it's the I don't have it in front of me. I believe it's the stick uh, content. Okay. All the basics with the stick and whatnot. And then in the third month, it's all the edge weapon content that releases. Level two, I'm not going to be doing a drip system. Level two okay. is going to be just, it's there. It's going to open. It will drip into the uh, subscriber's account, but it'll be fully available. It's not going to drip in sections anymore. Okay. Okay. I understand. I understand. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, so we just kept it simple like that. 
And so is it just you behind this or do you have other partners in it as well that are they're invested in in the creation of content and the uh, creation of your system? Because this is almost like a, a unique system. You're combining a few different elements here um, yeah. into an unofficial collection of martial arts that is your proprietary system almost. Yeah, we could totally say that 100% because I did not uh, go and get accredited in FMA under any organization. I just took what to me seemed as gross motor skill as possible. And the reason why I say that is because under adrenal stress, when you're about to fight or get into contact, everyone feels it. You mm -hmm. feel your hands are starting. Like you feel that that shake. You feel your uh, maybe your left arm is getting numb a little bit. That, oh boy, it's coming. It's going to happen. Yeah. Now your mind starts to race, right? So when you your body is going through adrenal stress, you have to be able to remain, uh, if I could say, operational. And I find that the way I put this content, I kind of stripped away everything that was too um, too traditional or too... You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I just yeah. want to keep yeah. what's kind of a washed-down version of... Here's what it's you strip down self defense stuff, and it's not all the the technical traditional movements yeah. stuff, right? Here's the washed out basics, the easy stuff to remember. That, frankly, at the end of the day, you could learn a million things, and there's a lot of flow drills there that are great. And in some of the videos, you could see where they come through. Like it, it actually works, right? But through sparring, you get to see that out of ten things you learn, one or two are going to work. And I'm talking right. like Filipino sparring, like with the sticks and we're whacking at each other. You get to mm -hmm. see that everything you learn, the stuff you can actually apply when you're fighting someone is the most gross motor based concept there is. Right. Nothing fancy happens in contact with someone. Because that's probably what's going to happen if you're ever in a street fight or if you're ever in a situation where you're you're you need to use this stuff is you're not going to be in when someone's going to get very technical about trying to exactly. stab you. It's going to be stabby, stabby, you know, the, the, the one, exactly. you know, yeah. What do you, what do you do against that type of movement? That's very primitive. The, the repeat stabbing, the, the, the needle, the sewing needle type of movement. Yeah. The that's reciprocating or the, or the same club thing. is always going to be the same exactly. overhead swing and things like that. It's always going to come the same way. Exactly. Mm. So it's, 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 caveman stuff like so that's why i didn't want to bother with the belts i didn't want to bother with the uh the the certificates and the grand ranks and all that and there's nothing wrong with it but to me i wanted to put something together that i could show people in a very short amount of time and say look if shit hits the fan this is a huge asset to have and it mm -hmm. will carry you a good portion of the way the rest is up to you how much you train. Perfect. And do you have any physical locations or planning on any physical locations to, to teach this or is it all digital right now? Yeah. So I do. Sorry. Earlier you asked a question. I completely like went off, went off track there. Um, no problem. I do teach in person. I have a very small group in Ottawa. Uh, we usually train outside of the war museum. Okay. They can yeah. reach me on the website, but, uh, in 2021, once this whole pandemic kind of starts to blow over, uh, we're looking at uh, maybe having uh, another location that's more indoor and permanent. But right. the online, uh, 
the online uh, training is is just fantastic. It's such an easy implement for anyone's training, really. And uh, we love what we do. And that's another thing. I mean, in the videos, you could tell we're having fun. And that's yeah. such a it's such a good thing to just remember that you can learn these like hardcore martial arts and, you know, uh, me as someone that fell in love with movies and wanted to see what the real life uh, side of that was. I'm happy I discovered it, but I'm happy that I'm also having a good time doing it. I'm not mm -hmm. always videos impossible of having a cracking a smile or cracking a joke, you know, like, we're human beings. We're having a good time. And I think that's, mm -hmm. it's so important, especially if you learn this kind of stuff. Otherwise you take yourself too seriously, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing with you. You're looking at a, a belted system in, in any martial art is you're taking yourself seriously because you want to attain that status. And I think that's, well, there's nothing wrong with it. Cause that's what I, that's what I'm involved in right yeah, now. There's nothing wrong with that. Though. But for some people it's, it's that I want to hit that status but I'm not having fun with it. I just want it for the status or I just want it for the show. Um, and you got to have fun with it. I have fun with it. I do it with my, with my oldest son. I actually do it with, with both my, my, my boys. Um, so that's, I, we kind of have fun that way, but um, your system is definitely more of like a, for relaxed, you know, you can just, anybody can do it and you can pick it up anywhere. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a gathering of concepts more than a, a formal, formal, uh, right. Uh, official discipline per se like i i don't call myself uh you know an official you know, master instructor yeah. i'm i'm a udt instructor i'm an instructor of what i do mm -hmm. um but again i just want to make sure that the the audience understands i don't have anything against belt systems i have two black belts i'm i'm grateful to have them there's a lot of work but then i came to realize that man not sure it really mattered in the end like it's a different it's a different system it's a different way of looking at it it's a different the whole grading process is 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 different there's a lot of parts of that discipline that are you can how can i say this you you appreciate them for yeah. the discipline that it teaches you yeah but at the same time it's so strict it's not as inclusive as it's not as inclusive as say any other sport like if you go out and play hockey with your buds you know, you're going out, you yeah. can have fun, play hockey with your butts. You're playing competitive hockey, and there's always that pressure on you to perform, perform, perform. But if you're just I think they're important milestones on the journey, those belts. I think they're really right. important milestones, like graduation, like university, mm. like your their levels that that bring you to to where you end up being, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So there's no knocking that at all. Um we're, we're on the same page on that. So we we talked about Jason Bourne. Of yep. course, my podcast is based on James Bond. Yeah. Um, how do you see in? Now I won't go too far back because some of the fighting sequences that we've seen in the past weren't necessarily as polished. Um, but since Casino Royale and probably especially in Quantum of Solace, we've seen some really good hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff. What is your opinion on how that's portrayed? I think it's portrayed really. Uh, well, I would say I think it's impressive the way it's filmed definitely adds to the uh, uh, the feeling and the impact. But I could say that in the way the moves he's doing, there's a lot of FMA in there for sure. Right. Um, there's a big influence. The edged weapon portion, especially in Quantum of Solace on the balcony, there it's right. either glass or um, 
whatever he did, but he punctured the femoral artery there. Right. That section, the way that took place, and that scene was like less than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Just very quick, very fast. The movements were not, of course, it's choreographed, but I think the way it was put together, um, for every action, there was a reaction right away. There was something happening. It was very, um, very fluid, very fluid and very violent. And it really made you feel like, you know, your, your, your heart rate's going up. Right. The movements were very direct. They weren't very overly circular and too wide. They were very direct. So it, it, mm-hmm. it showed on part of the actors a sense of intent to harm in, you know, in the scene. Right. And I think it brought so much realism out of it. I, I agree. I think that for, for quantum, if we leave the story aside, because there's obviously yeah. a little bit lacking, sorry, but the, those sequences yeah. were kind of the, uh, were the, were kind of the best. Um, so do you have a favorite bond moment or a favorite bond actor? Oh, or, or maybe both. If we have a favorite bond moment, then a favorite actor. Oh no, I would say, um, I mean, Pierce Brosnan really played off the classical Bond. You know, I think he did a great job with that. Uh, I think Daniel Craig, though, is the best James Bond. He's rugged. I've known a few operators, not like in the intelligence world, but I've known a few like real-life operator types, and they're rugged. They're rugged folks. They're mm-hmm. not like polished and perfectly clean. I mean, most of the time you wouldn't even be able to tell them from the rest of the group right that's why they do what they do but like i think it was so well depicted you know yeah i would share that opinion as well um perfect well i thank you very much for your time Uh, thank you everyone for listening thank you very much uh, cameron for joining me today um united defensive tactics not technology tactics UnitedDefenseTactics.com. <laughs> yeah, check those guys out. Uh, check out the videos, um, and I uh, hope you enjoy them. Thank you very much for your time. Hey, it's my pleasure, and it's me that thanks you. No problem. Thank you. And thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at zero zero seven underscore intrepid. The same for Facebook, and you can also find us on YouTube at. The Intrepid Double Seven. See you next time. Music by Incomptech. Copyright The Intrepid Double Seven Podcast. It's Matt from the Jeans Bond Complex, uh, here to remind you that uh, Edgar and Emery from the Intrepid 007 podcast and myself have created the Casino Royale fan commentary podcast. It's available at univ-exports.com. So again, univ-exports.com. Uh, you can also subscribe on your usual platforms, whether it's uh, Apple or Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, uh, you can subscribe there. So uh, listen in, um, take care, à la prochaine.